Hey guys, before we start this episode, I wanted to talk to you about Type 1 Lifting. So Type 1 Lifting is a clothing line that proceeds of the shirts and tanks and everything else goes to the Children's Diabetes Foundation. So um, this all came about with me and seeing a five-year-old girl in the emergency department uh, that had a new onset of diabetes. So uh, just take a look at the website. It's www type1lifting.com so just check it out if you don't buy anything that's perfectly fine uh, I would just like for you just to take a look and just see what we have so like I said before www.type1lifting.com and guys I hope you enjoy the show What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Type 1 Lifting Podcast. I have a very special guest, Christelle Orem, or Orend. Yeah, Orem, that's a nice start. I got it. I'm so bad with last names. I'm sorry. But uh, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, I so it. I like to start off with everybody, like, especially being the diabetics. So when did you get diagnosed and pretty much what was it like being diagnosed when you, on the early ages? So, well, I was diagnosed at 19. So I wasn't super young, but, you know, young enough, I guess. Uh, so I was diagnosed in 97, um, 19, and it was it was an, an interesting experience. I think everybody, for everybody, is an interesting experience. But basically, uh, I grew up in Denmark. So back then, I was still back in Denmark. I was going, I had all the, like, the usual symptoms. I was super thirsty. You know, I had to run to the restroom all the time. I tired you know tired i would like at that point i in denmark we graduated high school at 19 so i graduated high school i was taking sabbatical i was working saving up money to go traveling around the world so i worked and i worked in a daycare and i kept falling asleep with the kids in the sense that you know you're not supposed to do that when you're supposed to watch yeah. the kids right yeah. yeah and i kept falling asleep at work and it was not good and this was in december and my family kind of started noticing. They're like, you know what? This is not normal. This is not normal at all. You need to go get checked checked out. And I went to my primary care. My primary care doctor, he gave me the whole speech. He's like, so you need to exercise. You need to sleep, right? And at this point, again, I was 19 out of high school, taking a sabbatical. I was partying hard. Mm-hmm. I was having a lot of fun. I was eating a box of ice cream at night and not gaining weight. And life is perfect. Um and I could explain everything. You know, I was tired because I was partying hard. I was super thirsty for whatever reason. So I don't know. And I went to restroom all the time because I was drinking all the time. You know, I could explain everything. Mm-hmm. And my doctor, after giving me this speak, he was like, well, let me just measure your blood sugar. So he took a finger stick, finger prick in the office, and my blood sugar was outrageous. I don't even know what it was. Um, and he diagnosed me with diabetes right there. I knew nothing about diabetes. I knew no family members lived with diabetes or anything like that. So I basically, he might have explained it to me. I clearly didn't hear it because I remember going home from that appointment, well, actually biking home on my bicycle because that's what we do in Denmark, thinking I just been handed a death sentence. I thought I was dying. Short bike ride home. uh, I get home. My mom is home. My mom is a nurse. I was still living at home at that time. 
and she, you know, could explain to me, you're not dying, you're not dying from this, not now, um, which kind of calmed me down. And then this was a Friday, and we went to see a specialist and specialist clinic that Monday after, which still blows my mind that he would send me home on my bicycle with high blood sugars. I said, he clearly must have known I was type one. Yeah. Um, but he clearly wasn't that worried, I guess. Um, I mean, your blood, your blood sugar must have not been that high, I guess. I don't, I don't know if he, he's going to let you bike ride home, so. I don't know. I don't know. He clear, Or maybe he didn't know. I don't know. I, actually, one of the things that I've noticed is a lot of primary care doctors don't have a whole lot of knowledge about diabetes. Mm-hmm. I mean, some do, definitely, and some have, like, a high-level knowledge. Um, and maybe never, you probably didn't think about DKA being in a possibility or anything like that. I don't know. Hmm. But he sent me home and I was home for the whole weekend. Um, and then Monday morning, mom and I went to the specialist clinic and this is, I was lucky. I lived 10, 15 minutes from one of the best clinics in Europe. Um, and I got there and I was assigned to die, a pediatric nurse. Cause apparently you switch at 20. Mm-hmm. So I, I had a year with a, a pediatric nurse. And she was amazing. I wish everyone, so her name was Laudu. And I still remember her because what she did was she kind of sat me down. Well, she gave me all the education. She sat me down. She's like, you know what? And I'm rephrasing her wording because she later told me that's not what she said. But <laughs> what I heard her say was, you know what? Diabetes sucks. But there's nothing you can't do with this condition. And she was kind of like the first one to sit me down and tell me this. And as I, t- I said, I was on a sabbatical because I was like trying to make enough money to go travel the world. I wanted to travel around India, like backpacking around India. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden I'm sitting there with this diagnosis. I'm like, oh my goodness, I can't go. And she's like, look at him, go, of course you're going. So within a year of my diagnosis, I was backpacking around India. Um, and it didn't go as planned, <laughs> but it, you know, it was, I was so glad I went and I'm so glad that I met a medical professional who instilled that in me to like, of course you can, mm-hmm. because I kind of, I took that with me and it's been, it's been the way that I've been living my life for the last, over coming up, I'm 23 years this December. Wow. That's crazy. Yeah. It, it, it's funny. Cause like when I, when I first got diagnosed, like I still had no clue about the lancets and how to change it or whatnot. And like, it got to the point where like the lancets would stick like, get stuck in my fingers because I use them so because they're so blind. It's like I didn't know what I didn't know what I was doing. Like no one told me what to do. And it was funny, I was asking like other diabetics on social media pretty much or in like what to do. And especially with like the gauges of the of the uh, the lancets. I was like, oh I usually use like an eight on the number like the number thing. And I'm my coworker's like, you use an eight because she had um how do you call it uh pregnancy um she had diabetes like when she was pregnant pregnant. So yeah. um gestational diabetes yes uh, and then uh so she's like no that's the pressure of the needle uh, that's the pressure of the lancet going into you and i was like oh i thought that was the how many times you need to use it oh <laughs> so it's like i oh. it's 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 crazy because like me getting diagnosed so later on in life like they think oh you must know what you're doing you're in the medical field you're good so but i was mm-hmm. like i have no clue what's going on it's one of the things like i think even so when we're first diagnosed I think they could probably have told you they might even have told you this but there's a lot of things that I think it's hard to take out in everything 
So you walk out of that, that appointment. So I, I was, I didn't stay overnight at the facility. They, they still sent me home, but they did check in on me every night. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that was a little different than when my doctor sent me home. But I think you walk away from that first few days and you only remember snippets. And I think like a continued education, especially when it comes to diabetes, is super important. Yes. And I think we have now with the internet and all, we have more opportunity to continue, you know, continue to learn. Mm-hmm. Because it doesn't seem like they figure out a whole new, lot new things about diabetes, but a lot of things that they've known for a long time. I think even, I mean, we all have to relearn or learn for the first time, I guess. Yeah. So when when you got diagnosed at 19, so were you, I obviously were able to travel a little bit, but like, what, what was it like, were you still trying to party a little bit or like, was there like a little bit of change of, you know, your lifestyle at all? Or, you know, what was it like? I just kept going. <laughs> um, <laughs> like, no, well, it's one of those things, right? I think I really do believe that there's nothing we can't do that, you know, with diabetes, I think we can do the same things that everyone else, as long as we're smart about it. Mm-hmm. So that means, so back then that was before CGMs. Okay. So I was only doing finger sticks. Um, was my care as good as it is today? No, not at all, but not necessarily because I didn't want it to be because, but rather because I didn't have the information of what does optimal care look like mm-hmm. and how do I get there? Um, so what I did was I didn't neglect my diabetes, but I just went off what I learned back then, which was you keep measuring your blood sugars, you take your insulin. Um, and if you measure blood sugar again, it's too high or too low, then you do something about that. Right. So I didn't do carb counting. I just looked at plates and went like, you know, 20 grams, 40 grams, whatever. I... Since I didn't necessarily do carb counting, actually, I probably didn't even go 20 grams. I just looked at food and I'm like, ah, four units or five units or mm-hmm. whatever, right? So it wasn't super refined. And I think my A1Cs back then were probably in the eights, which is, I mean, it's not horrendous, but it's definitely not what I today would consider being, you know, good diabetes yeah. management mm-hmm. for, for me. Um, so I think... Again, based on that, no, I just, I just, I still traveled. I still, you know, got an education. I still did all the things that I wanted. And I think one of the things for me has always been important is that none of the things I've done in my life. Let's rephrase that. Most of the things I've done in my life has not been because of diabetes. It's just been because I wanted to do it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, um, and I'm like, I can always find a way to manage my diabetes around what it is that I want to do. Yeah. So when you were traveling, did you let people know that like, Hey, I'm a diabetic. If something happens, you know, you know, help me out or something like that. Um, kind of depends. So that first trip, that trip to India, backpacking through India, uh, I was traveling with a girlfriend and she actually went to the clinic with me. She got a full education on, okay, what do you do? You know, how to use a glucagon, all those things. But aside from that, I kind of kept diabetes pretty not in the down low, I would say, mm-hmm. all the way up until maybe 2014. Yeah. <laughs> so for a really long time. Um, not because I was 
ashamed or I didn't, I, I don't even think I realized there was a stigma around diabetes because I've never really, my head was never really there, mm. but mainly because I was like, well, this is for me to, to deal with. And I, I was asthmatic as a, as a child. I remember I didn't tell people I had asthma either. So, but I know it's different. I know it's different yeah. because, you know, but it was just, that was, that was where my head was at. Mm -hmm. So I kind of kept that to myself. I didn't really look for others with living with diabetes and just, I just lived. <laughs> yeah. I mean, for, for me, I, I, I think it was the complete opposite. So once I became a diabetic, I was like, following diabetes people like you meet like just started like talking about it to like patients when i was working in the in the emergency room and pretty much like yeah we we'd had all diabetics come like we had a bunch of diabetics that come in like a like a boatload of times like like probably like multiple times in a week because like we had one kid he realized like you know he could drink a bottle of mountain dew and lose weight just because he was high, high high blood sugar and pretty much pee it all away and i'd be like i yeah. would talk to him and say buddy, you're going to like lose your feet or like worst case scenario, you can, you can die from this. Like, so, you know, quit being stupid. But, you know, I think, I think for me, when I was working there, I was just trying to, you know, show kids like, Hey, you know, I have it. It's cool. It's okay. You know, it's, it's a crappy disease, but you can live with it. Yeah. I think it's also the difference is I was diagnosed in 97. Yeah. So back then, I mean, I didn't even have a cell phone. Yeah. I sound really old, uh, but that's okay. Um, I'm right so up there with just, you. I'm right up there with you. Don't worry. <laughs> but it was just a, it was just a different time, right? Because yeah. you wouldn't just go on Google and Google diabetes necessarily. I mean, you or there was no Instagram, which is now my favorite platform, right? <laughs> uh, I think I don't even know when Facebook came out, but there was not really a whole lot of places to find others. Yeah. And I didn't honestly, I didn't even think about looking for others. And that's something that I can. Now, whenever I talk to people who are, you know, who live with diabetes, it's like, yes, you can do type one alone, but you don't have to mm -hmm. because we're out there yeah. and we're out there for you. And yep. if you want support or just somebody to talk to who gets it, we're here. Mm -hmm. yeah. But I don't think I start to realize, you know, that how, how powerful those conversations can be. Until, first of all, I started, so, as I said, I got an education. I actually started out working in the diabetes industry. That was, I, I did corporate, well, corporate Denmark and then corporate America uh, for a long time before I ended up where I am now. And the first company I worked for was as a big Danish company that you might know called Nova Nordisk. Mm -hmm. um, so, one of the largest manufacturers of insulin. And it's interesting working there because all of a sudden I started to meet all these other people living with diabetes. Because we, for some reason, tend to like swarm to these companies that work, you know, that manufactures diabetes products. Yeah. And all of a sudden, I start to meet others and start to have these conversations, just like a small conversation. Like, oh my goodness, you know, whenever I vacuum, I go low. And people are like, oh my God, me too. <laughs> uh, and I think it's, you know, having these conversations, we've got, oh my gosh, you know, it's just me. And, it's, it was interesting because it sounds like a small thing, but I think just having those conversations all of a sudden, you're like, I'm not alone. Yeah. It's not just me. Yeah. E I can actually learn from others. Yeah. Even if they're like really silly, like, like the one you just said about vacuuming, like it's just, yeah. it's just something to talk about. And like, you're just feeling like you're not alone, which is, which is awesome. So yeah, an instant connection. Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, which which is cool. I always I always like seeing diabetics like out in the out in the wild that I don't know, yeah. and I see them at the grocery store or like eating dinner, and it's like I I've kind of put the pause on like you know running up to people and talking to them. So it's just like <laughs> I'll just I'll let them be because some of them might not like me going up to them and you know saying hey you know yeah. what's going on you know I'm a diabetic too. Or, you yeah. know, and I'll, I'll ask him questions. Like if, if it's a new, new, um, device that I've never seen, like the Omnipod, I was really, really interested in. I was like, Hey, do you like this? Or like, what are your, what are your thoughts? Yeah. And they would actually talk yeah. to me about it and they'd be like super happy about it. Like, Oh, I love it. I hate it. Or, you know, tell me. So it's, it's good to hear other people's views as well. Especially. Yeah. I think one of my coolest stories down my line. So to those who don't know me. So I, in 2019, I moved to the U.S. I now live in the U.S. I live in California. Um, and I live in pretty much on the beach, which is amazing. I'm jealous. Uh, Super jealous. So, yes. It, uh, no, I'm, <laughs> I was like, yes. Uh, no, it, it's, I love it down here. It, it's amazing. And one of the best stories, I think, is I was out walking, you know, afternoon stroll with my husband and my dog. And we're walking along the beach. And at one point, the beach is like barely close to the road. Mm. And I always wear, I wear a CGM, a continuous glucose monitor on my, I usually wear them on my arms. It's not where it's FDA approved for, but it's where I prefer to wear it. So I wear that on my arm and we're just walking. And all of a sudden this minivan like comes to a halt <laughs> and out jumps this dude. And he comes like running towards us. And my husband and I go like, what is going on? he's like storming out of the van running towards us and we're like okay what's going on and he stops us he's like what is that on your arm and we start having this conversation turns out uh, he has his whole family in the van so his wife and his three children including his I think he was seven or nine year old daughter who lives in Taiwan and they were a family from Saudi Arabia who are on vacation in the US oh cool and he just recognized that was a diabetes device. He had me like come over and meet his his daughter and see her pump and have this whole conversation. So I think our devices can definitely bring us together. Yeah. And I don't mind. I I mean that's also I think if the days where I do mind, I'll wear a long sleeve shirt. Yeah. Uh, if I don't want to talk to about it because I don't always want to like discuss my diabetes with strangers. Mm -hmm. um, but I thought that was. That one was pretty cool. Yeah. I So I don't have a CGM or anything like that. So people, other than wearing my type 1 lifting shirts, like everywhere, mm -hmm. I, they don't know that I'm a diabetic whatsoever. Or they're just, yeah. they just think type 1 lifting is like some random like shirt company or whatever. It's nothing to do with diabetes. Mm -hmm. And they're like, oh, what's this? And I have to tell them what it is. And they're like, oh, okay. But yeah, I, I, I mean, for me, I don't have a problem like talking to anybody. That that's just, I love talking to people. Hence the, this podcast. So, I mean, it's just, I just love like listening to other people's stories and just like, you know, mm -hmm. just their issues and all that stuff. So, yeah, but uh, I think it's, it's okay to have some days where you're like, well, yeah, today I just want to be, be something else or yeah. just not be, be like, I don't even know how to say that. Yeah, that, well, that, about yeah that, that's me in the gym once in a while. Like if I work out, I'm like, listen, I need to get all this stuff done before I leave so just just don't talk to me or like people try to walk up to me like mid-workout and I'm like sweating like profusely like like cuffing and puffing all over the place and they'll I'm like just not now not now just just leave me alone <laughs> so I think I have a pretty I don't I've been told 
I don't know if people get this one, but I've been told I have a face that can sometimes help people to not bother me. So I rarely have that issue at the gym, actually. It's, it's, <laughs> <laughs> it is one of those things where I successfully have, like, you know, taught my fellow gym members that leave me alone when I work out. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I hear you. <laughs> so so you're, you're a diabetes coach, correct? Yes. Okay. That is one of my, my many roles. So how did you get involved in that? So, well, I was kind of alluding to it in the sense that I said, you know, I wasn't really talking about my diabetes until 2014. Mm-hmm. So what happened in 2014, and this is not the, this is kind of like a longer story, but what happened in 2014 was that that was the year I competed in my first fitness show. Okay. So I did, uh, I was a bikini competitor for, competitor for a few years. Um, so as I prepared for that show um, in, in 2014, so I preparation obviously started earlier so throughout 13 um i kind of realized how incredibly difficult exercise and diabetes can be mm-hmm. I, I, let's call it challenging um because i didn't have the right tools in the sense that i didn't have the right knowledge at that point uh, all i had was a pamphlet i've been given one, one point by doctors that eat 15 grams of carbs like this is amazing not helpful uh but uh, <laughs> it's yeah um, not helpful um, because you don't always need carbs. Sometimes you need more insulin, et cetera, mm-hmm. depending on type of exercise. So I am very analytical. That's how my brain is wired. Um, as I said, I worked for diabetes companies um, throughout my corporate career. And I was like, well, this can't be that hard. Let's figure it out. So at that point, I did have Google. Why not Google? I started to search. I couldn't really find any any information on how to do exercise specifically bodybuilding and or resistance training and diabetes successfully Mm -hmm. i found like a few like super duper scientific articles you know the ones where i had to have a dictionary or like google open on the side of the the screen just to figure out what the heck i was reading so it's like you know what i'm gonna start documenting what i'm doing myself so that is how my whole journey into the diabetes community and becoming a coach started simply by me documenting what I was doing. Um, and I did that. I started a small blog back then that has now become something completely different, but I started a small blog back then where I simply, you know, journaling my experience Mm -hmm. again, structured brain, everything went into itself sheet. And I really quickly started to see, you know, patterns and like, Oh my goodness, I actually managed to find my, what I call my formula for diabetes and exercise super quickly. Mm-hmm. And again, I was writing about that and people were interested and people are reading it. So my husband, I was, I was like, well, if I couldn't find the information, other people probably couldn't find the information. My voice actually matters. I have something I can share with folks. Yeah. So my husband and I started diabetesstrong.com, which is now our main platform. And it started out, as I said, fitness and diabetes and now it's everything health and diabetes and it's a free website people should definitely go check it out um and you know as i wrote more and more there i actually went away from so we have a lot of professional writers that write for us there Mm -hmm. and i went more into well i still want to work one-on-one with people because helping people find their formula i get a kick out of it (laughs) because One of those things I often hear people say is that, you know, a lot of people tell me, well, diabetes is random. 
And I completely disagree. The reason why I disagree is that I don't think our bodies are random. Our bodies are reacting as bodies should. Mm. However, the reason why it seems random is most people don't have enough. And when we get back to the same thing again, information, not knowledge. And we don't. And then, I mean, on on top of that, we don't have full information in the sense that we will never know every little cynical thing going on in our bodies. So if you don't understand the basics, because nobody's actually ever taken the time to sit down and give you the knowledge, mm-hmm. and you also have these things going on in your body that you won't, don't know, then it, it seems random. Um, so, yeah, so, so <laughs> that was a long story. So no, that's, that's okay. No, go for it. Yeah. <laughs> I ended up, you know, doing what I'm doing, and I, I left the corporate world back in 2015, and that's kind of like, I think, me starting to talk more about my diabetes was exactly that, you're realizing that my voice can make a difference, mm-hmm. my voice can help somebody, um, and the website, diabetesstrong.com, is a completely free website, that's one of the things where I was like, well, knowledge, I don't want... I want, don't want money to be a barrier for people to get knowledge. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right? So the website's set up so you can go there and it's all free. If you want to work with me one-on-one, that's a little different. Yeah. Um, it's like the Gary V. Yep. You know Gary V? You ever heard of him? Gary V. Yeah, he's just like serial entrepreneur and he talks about – he's like a social media guru. So he always talks about like, you know, give, 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 and then ask for something. <laughs> so it's pretty much like you're giving out free – free information about your diabetes experience and then like the one-on-one coaching is like the you know okay ask if people want to work with you well yeah and i don't i don't think not everybody needs that yeah and not everybody will you know benefit from working with me in the sense that we're all different individuals and some people will do really well with my way my approach while somebody might do really well with somebody else's approach Mm -hmm. that's why i love that we we don't have a lot of i would say fitness experts in the diabetes space like yourself and and myself but we do have some yeah right so and the cool thing about having maybe a handful or more is that people can go and search and find the one that suits their needs and suits their personality yeah um it's my what i specialize in is i well i love resistance training i think my resistance training is super fun yep. uh, and just that's driven by my own passion right um and you know leash your exercise but if people come to me and go like hey i want to run a marathon i'm like that's great i'll send you to somebody else yeah because that's not my expertise yeah um i can tell you the high level theory but you know i can't get down into the nitty-gritty about it mm-hmm and I think it's the same thing if somebody comes to me and say, hey, I need a, a detailed nutrition plan or something like that. I'll be like, that's great. I'm so not qualified to give you that. <laughs> and I'll send them somewhere else. Yeah. Like, it's the same with mental health. It's, I think it's very important that we in this community are also willing to, you know, send people to the right resources. Yeah, I, I completely agree because I always tell – when I was when I was training, I always like if someone would ask me like like you know I want to do like you said run a marathon and stuff like that like that's not my specialty whatsoever like mm-hmm. that's not my thing so I would definitely like bring them someplace it's like send them to another person that knows knows that position well so with with your clients so what was it like 
getting your first client? Well, back then when I started to work with folks, um, so I am a certified personal trainer as well. I should add that. So that was the type of clients I started out with. I mm-hmm. started out doing personal online training yeah. and in person as well here in Santa Monica. Um, and it was more focused on, you know, developing training programs and then talking about blood sugar management for these type of plans. Um, I don't even remember how my first found me. I think the first found me through, um, just through the website. Yeah. If you go on diabetes strong, you'll see my face all over. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I also mentioned, you know, um, my coaching through there. So that was kind of how it started out. I at one point realized that that was not, it was not giving me joy. Yeah. To be you know, completely honest, it was not, it was not really, yeah, it wasn't doing it, doing it for me. Mm-hmm. So I decided to change my, my coaching offerings so that I could focus on something that I know I'm really good at. And that's structure. Yeah. And something where I know that people can walk away with unique and valuable information. Mm-hmm. And it's so important for me that the people have, you know, that people walk away with more knowledge and that they're successful. Yep. If people don't do that, then I'm not successful. Yeah. Completely agree. Um, yeah. So it, that was a big shift for me. And I did that, I think, a year and a half ago. So that's fairly recent. Okay. So how many clients do you have right now? I keep my client um, level, let's say that, fairly low. Because my main my main gig is still the website. the website. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I have a few regulars, but I don't see more than maybe four a week. Okay, yeah. Um, and that goes from everything from half an hour sessions to forty five minute sessions. Okay, all right. So it's what I said. The way I set it up is that well, I can always custom things, but my main modules and anybody who's interested can go to my website and just click on beach coaching, and the modules are described there. But my main modules are two times 45 minutes where, and I always say, I give people homework because I'm very data-driven. Everything I do is data-driven. So if they don't do the homework in the sense of like actually collecting, you know, measuring blood sugars, looking at for patterns, et cetera. If we don't do that homework, then everything is theory. Theory is great, but we're also all very different. Mm -hmm. And I can, I can sit here and say, well, aerobic exercise will generally make blood sugars drop okay great that's very general yeah (laughs) what time of day you know are you usually exercising you know and how much will it actually decrease your blood sugar and all these things and you can already only really figure that out if you do your homework and you write things down Mm -hmm. so for example i'll have people that sign up for you know finding a formula I'll have them do their homework. I have like a tracking sheet, which actually is also free on the website. So uh, everything's on the website. (laughs) 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 Uh, But you know, a tracking sheet that people can use. Um, And what I usually do is I start out with again, back to the basics, talk the knowledge, you know, what is anaerobic exercise? What's aerobic exercise? How does it impact blood sugars? What are the different strategies that you can implement and start talking through all the, the theory. Mm-hmm. And when you're done with the theory, then you can start to apply, well, how does this theory apply to you as an individual? Yeah. So how does this, you know, apply to Thomas? Mm-hmm. 
And I think everyone I've ever worked with has walked away with new knowledge. Yep. I mean, that's, that's what's supposed, I mean, for me, that's what usually happens. Like I always try to make sure my clients, if I ever, if I ever left or like if they didn't work with anymore, they actually understood, you know, what I was doing. And they, they, if, cause if they don't know what they're doing after I'm done with them, it's, it was, it was way, it was pointless. Yep. 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 Exactly. It's always, I always tell folks like, this is a really bad business model. But my goal is you for you to not come back. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, this is the worst business model ever. Uh, but again, it's not. That, that is really the goal. The goal is to teach people met- methods um, so that they can go back, either make their diabetes management adjustments themselves or have enough information that they can actually go to their doctors and have an informed conversation about, well, how should I change my diabetes management so that I can successfully you know, work out without higher or lower blood sugars. Mm-hmm. Also should point point that you, of course, can't eliminate higher blood or low blood sugars. You can reduce the risk of them. Yeah. Um, because this is diabetes. Yeah. So one, one, one of the ones, I, one of the issues I have with like people asking me, especially with like doing, doing CrossFit workouts, some people have a tendency to get like high blood sugars. And obviously, <laughs> you know, that could be like the fight or flight meth, like the fight or flight issue, like their hormones are all jacked up and stuff like that. And like, what would you do to, let's just say if it's a person that does CrossFit in like the afternoon, like how would you, like what would you tell them to, you know, do to get their blood sugars at a normal level, like after working out or even before? Well, that's, that's a complex question. Yeah. Complex question. Right. In the sense that I think first, first thing is figuring out how does your blood sugars generally react to this kind of exercise? Again, afternoons, we're usually a little more insulin sensitive than we are in the mornings. So are your blood sugars dropping? Are they increasing? And at what time do they start to increase in or decrease? So what I would have people do is at least, you know, track it for three days as a minimum. Mm-hmm. Because one data point is just one data point, two yeah. data points doesn't really tell us a whole lot. Three, we start hopefully to see a pattern. Yeah. Um, and what I'll have people write down is like, what did you eat? How much insulin do you have on board? IOB. IOB is probably the most important factor of everything when it comes to exercise and mm-hmm. people most people don't look at it and i think that's a huge mistake because iob basically stands for how much insulin do you have left in your body from any injections um or pump pump injections um so i would have them do that and then we start to look for patterns so let's say that we see a decrease for some reason for this exercise well then we need to look at how do you adjust your insulin so that you maybe have a little bit less insulin on board during your workout or you can up your carbohydrate that basically you have two levers right Mm -hmm. yeah you can change your insulin or your or your food um or your carbohydrates um if you tend to go high during or after your workout then what do you do right obviously you take a little bit of insulin just to kind of get it down a little bit well, yeah, but there's also the timing, right? Because yeah. so, the reason why we, well, the type of exercise that often make people go high, you know this, is anaerobic exercise. So that's like your resistance training. For some people, your CrossFit or your boot camps or your sprint training. Mm-hmm. So for the 
most part, blood sugars will increase during the workout. Maybe, and actually it's been shown to increase insulin resistance for up to two hours after workouts. However, insulin sensitivity is improved dramatically in the uh, 12 to 24, even from people even up to 48 hours after. Mm. Which means that we need to be very careful and not just like do a really aggressive correction yeah. during and right after your workout because then you risk like really low blood sugars after. So this is not easy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but the way, again, I would do it is simply break it down and have people go like, okay, this knowing all these things and then knowing how your blood sugars generally react, then you can start to slowly adjust. And if people are not self-managed, so I'm self-managed, meaning that I don't refer, you know, I don't go to my endo every time I make an adjustment to my, my care. I mm-hmm. just do it myself. Yeah. Not everybody's self-managed. Some people rely really heavily on their, their medical team for basal adjustments or for like general dose adjustments. So the thing is, if a person like that just shows up and with a medical team, go like, hey, my blood sugars go high, what should I do? That's not, I mean, that's not really enough information for your medical team to have to go off in order to help you improve your care. Yeah, yep. So if nothing else, then walking out of the session, people will learn, well, what is the information that you need to bring to the doctor so that the doctor can help them, you know, adjust their insulin? Mm Mm-hmm. Um, I can say to circle back to your question about how do you deal with an afternoon? Well, it's not, it's not for me pretty much. I'm an early bird guy. So, (laughs) okay. Um, but let's say that it was myself. Um, I know. So again, we talked about resistance training being my, my passion. Mm -hmm. I know that for me, I need to, I always eat before because I want to, and I eat carbohydrates and protein. I always eat before I work out because First of all, I want to be able to perform in the gym. Mm-hmm. And I think we tend to forget that. We tend to only focus on blood sugars and not on actual like gym yeah. performance, which is a shame. <laughs> the same thing, I'm like, am I hungry or my blood sugar is low? I'm like, let's just eat if we're hungry. Right? Yeah. Um, but I tend to eat before, uh, both for performance, but also for to reduce the amount of glucose my liver is going to spit out to help me, you know, um, get through the workout. Mm-hmm. And also, I take a full dose of insulin for that meal. Sometimes I even take a little bit more because I want to go into my workout with enough IOB, insulin on board, to not see that insane increase in blood sugar, in my blood sugars that I know my body will give me if I don't have enough insulin or food on board. Yeah. I sometimes also do a small correction after. But if I do that, I won't give myself 100% of a correction. So maybe I'll do like 50%. Yeah. Note. <clears throat> huh. That is me. That is how Chris Dial managed our blood sugars. That You can't necessarily just apply that to everyone else, right? The guidelines. Uh, so if anybody's interested in reading sort of the first official guidelines that came out on exercise, those can be found in The Lancet in 2017, from January 2017. And I know this date because that was the first time I actually saw guidance on how to manage your blood sugars with type 1. Mm-hmm. But yay, now can I, I have a footnote for my, all my like writings. This is awesome. Uh, because it was completely in line with what I already knew. Um, but that was the first time those guidelines. So look that up. Um, and there you'll actually see that all the guidelines say, well, when we talk about insulin 
reduction or increase for exercise is always like 25 to 75%, which is a huge range. Yeah. But what they also say is this is a starting point and you need to figure out what's the right amount for you. Mm-hmm. And I think to add to that, what time of day it is yeah. as well. To your point, you said you're an early bird. Well, you might need more of a correction in the morning versus if you go in the afternoon. Yeah. I So what I usually do is I kind of like do it like intermittent, like not an intermittent fasting, but I'll do a fast. Like I won't eat till like seven o'clock. I'll, I'll be done eating after seven. And then I won't eat till like 8.30 the next morning. And I'm working out from like 5.30 to... Or maybe like six to seven thirty, like an hour and a half. So, but I'll be taking breaks and like checking and just making sure that like you know, surprisingly, I mean, knock on wood, I mean, I haven't had a low blood sugar at all like while working out in the mornings. So oh, nice. Yeah. I mean, it makes sense. That's yeah. also when you're the most insulin resistant. So you're generally, if people are very nervous about you know going low, I'd say that's a good place to you know start mm-hmm. <laughs> with workouts in the morning. Although I still believe that. I'm really much a believer in the fact that, you know, don't let the diabetes dictate your life. Yeah. But again, if it can help soothe your, your anxiety, sure, go for it. Right. Mm-hmm. But if people come to me and go, like, oh, but I only have time in the evening. It's like, then work out in the evening and then you can figure out the diabetes. Yeah. It doesn't mean that you can't work out. Yeah. Just don't make it <laughs> as a, don't make it as a crutch. That's the main thing. So, yeah. Yeah, because I do have, I have met a lot of people now who come up to me and go like, oh, I can't exercise because of my diabetes, which I'm like, um, that tells me that nobody has ever, again, taught you the basics. Yeah. Yep. Yes, you can. You just haven't been taught how. Mm-hmm. If you've been given a pamphlet that says eat 15 grams of carbs, that might be why. <laughs> <laughs> and if you, you know. Um, haven't found the resources online yet. I'd say that, you know, during the last few years, um, there's, I've seen a lot more good resources online on how to do this. Yeah. Um, so it's definitely improving. Yeah. Including your website. Of course. Yes. And so, <laughs> <Thank you. laughs> so, so with your website, do you, so how many, like, how many times do you post, do you post like weekly or like, what's the rate of like when you post things or, you know, do talks? Um, so it, it depends a little bit. Um, we do post weekly. We post a combination of diabetes articles and recipes. Mm-hmm. So I have a lot of recipes on there now. Um, we have, we're still publishing new content in regards to diabetes, but we actually took over a new website uh, back in June called Diabetic Foodie, which is a diabetes food website Mm -hmm. obviously diabetic foodie that's been around for a good 10 years so we're working on that and we're only a two-man team full-time team so we don't have to like channel our resources a little bit around um but still publishing on diabetes strong and we have i don't even know how many articles now i have a big (laughs) library i mean which is which is good so which is really good and we do have a search function. Yes. <laughs> you can just go on there and search and look, look up what you're looking for. And I think it's one of the things is, um, back when I started out, yes, it was a blog. It was my personal journey. If you go on there now, you'll see that's not the case anymore. Mm-hmm. It is, when I say we have professional writers, that means it's all with journalistic you know, approach. It's still written by people living with diabetes. 
because that's been a, a, a stick for me yeah. <laughs> ever since the beginning is yep. I want I want it to be a place where people living with diabetes any type of diabetes I think we can all you know learn from each other but mm-hmm. any type of diabetes can go and read material written for them this is not you won't go there and read an article or it's a doctor talking at you yeah we get enough of that on uh, WebMD and wherever we go. Yep, this agree. is you know other people who lived it who've been in your shoes, um, and I just think it's more. It just gives you a different angle. Yeah, so I kind of want to go towards your Instagram page and how it's like amazing. So I, I I like it, and plus you have a huge following too, which is awesome. So oh, thank you. So and I I know that's your like little favorite you know social media platform that you like to use. So like how when did you get that like that huge jump in followers? Was that like when you first started the website or, you know? So um I actually started that Instagram account because of the website. Yeah. So because of the website and it is my business the website that's you know. My livelihood, um and. I was like, well, we should have, you know, the social media channel that goes with it. And that's why I started Diabetes Strong, uh, the Instagram account. And it's Diabetes Strong underscore IG, which mm-hmm. is annoying, but Diabetes Strong was taken once we finally got to got to Instagram. And it's just, it's turned into something slightly different because what I thought it would first be would be like, okay, let me just post the articles from the website. And then it turned into me showing you know, life with diabetes yep. and what that can look like. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, taking that sort of more personal approach, um, and this is not necessarily strategic. I was just having a lot of fun with it. Mm-hmm. And she's like, this is me hiking. Yeah. This is me like doing this. And now I'm somewhere else doing something else and I'm lifting weights and just showing that and realizing again, I think this is like this double whammy and realizing that my voice matters in the sense that I have people reaching out to me. I actually think it's most one of the most powerful thing is when it's parents or it's newly diagnosed who reach out and go like, wow. Okay. So I can live a normal life or a healthy, normal life. I'm like, yes. Yeah. I'm so glad that that's what's shining through on that count. Um, so I think the way that it grew, so I never bought a like or a follower because I don't see the, Uh, I, yeah, I I wouldn't expect you to do that. So, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I, I don't get it. Yeah, that's probably me missing something. Well, well, um, I, 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 well, for interrupting. So I, I really think it is. So when people want to be like social media influencers, they actually want to get those followings. So they have brands that want to promote on their page. And so the, here's the problem, though: they have a huge following, but yet the likes are so little. So they have to buy likes too, just to kind of counteract. Because there's like a Supposedly, there's some sort of math about saying that like 10% of your following should be able to should be like your likes on your each each post, and so that's why they just want to be a social media influencer, yeah. And you know, get free brands and stuff like that, saying, "Oh, look at me, you know, I'm part of this nutrition program," <laughs> or you know, like you know, I'm a supplement person. So, yeah, yeah, that was never really my goal. So the whole influencer branding. It's kind of something that's come to the scene the last year and a half, I think, in the diabetes space. Mm-hmm. And I've been told now several times that I'm an influencer. And I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah, uh, you sure. are. Yeah. <laughs> sure. I mean, I understand it in the sense that, you know, it's my account is one of the larger ones in the diabetes space. So in that sense, I'm completely on board. 
Um, and I think, you know, if me saying and me showing you can live a full life with diabetes is influencing, then I'm, I'm all for it. Yeah. And I think it, I think it is. Yeah. And so I, I think, yeah, yeah. Sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. Okay. Uh, so so yeah, I, I like the emails that. Well, I mean, I I have like a smaller following compared to you, so I'm like at least twenty one thousand off of you. So, but uh, but I I do love the emails that you get from people and be like, you know, thank you for doing this, or you know, I I this is the first time seeing your page and this is awesome, you know, and yeah. it just feels like you're actually doing something good. Yeah, for sure, it really is, and it's. I think it's important also to we also goof around, you know, yeah. like sometimes I post memes and stuff like that. Uh, and it's just, first of all, it's showing again, life with diabetes, what it can look like, mm-hmm. but it's also creating a form of sort of community. Yeah. I actually also like sometimes when you see people having, you know, side conversations in the comments yeah. with each other. I think that's <laughs> yep. pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, and just also the ability to, yeah, to connect people and when people reach out to, you know, send them to the right resources mm-hmm. or, you know, just confirm that. I like somebody who was telling me that her endo, every time she saw her endo, she left there crying. I'm like, that's not okay. Yeah. That's not okay. And that person just needed somebody to say, you know, that's not okay. They'd be like, okay, you know, maybe I need to go and find somebody who can actually offer me the care I need. Yeah. Um, that was a little darker, but no, I, that's okay. I, think, I think, you know, I think diabetes is hard. Yeah. I think it's really hard for some people and just being able to reach out and it's really easy to reach out on Instagram. Mm-hmm. Um, so being able to reach out and actually somebody answers. Yep. Pretty much. Yeah. That's, that's the best. That's the best thing. <laughs> so, so I, I know I know in California we're gonna venture off in fitness now. So yes. so I know I know California's closed all their gyms. So mm-hmm. what is your been what has your training been like working from inside the house? Yeah. So when I first moved to California, I want to add this first, just so mm-hmm. you can set a complete set the pictures. Okay. So I moved here. I, I started out in San Francisco, moved down here to Santa Monica, which is part of Los Angeles. Um, in 2011 and my husband and I ended up signing up at Gold's Gym so down in Venice it's cool. like the original you know, this yeah, is a bodybuilding yeah. gym it's super cool gym uh, I have so much fun there I love that I love that you see super uber duper fit people it's like the ones on the fitness magazines mm-hmm. and you see you know newbies who are starting out and there's a whole shebang and there's kind of a community there and I love working out there she said with um, COVID you know Gyms in California are now closed again. Um, we had three weeks that where they were open, but then they closed them again um, because, well, there's a lot of people infected here. Yeah. So anyway, so I had to switch to home workouts. It's not as fun. I'm complete honest. It's not as fun for yeah. me. I, we live in a one-bedroom apartment, so we don't have a home gym. Um, we have, I have some dumbbells. I have a lot of bands, resistant bands, mm-hmm. and I have like an aerobic stepper and stuff like that. So I can definitely do home workouts, and I can push myself. I just I miss the gym. Yeah, I mean <laughs> that's like complete honesty. Yeah, work, working out by yourself is is hard, and especially doing it at your house. I mean, I I have a 
base I have a gym in my basement and I have I have hard times sometimes getting motivated to work out. I, I completely understand. Yeah, it's, it's, well I always say I'll comp- compartmentalize things, you know, I'm the same one from like this is where I work. Yeah. This is the gym I go to. Mm-hmm, and then yeah. and I would go I would go like six sometimes, seven times a week to the gym, no problem. Because it was a routine. It yep. just that was just I got up in the morning, I did the things I needed to do, walked the dog, and then I would go to the gym. Mm-hmm. And then I work in the afternoon and the evening. And now all of a sudden the routine is uprooted. So I had to establish new routines, right? Um, and it's, again, complete honesty, it's ebbs and flows. You can absolutely do a good workout at home. It's just a little different. Yeah. I obviously don't have a squat rack uh, or anything like that. Um, but I've learned that I can jump rope on my balcony, which actually works out. Yeah. Uh, I've learned a lot of like, unilateral exercises meaning using one side at a time Mm -hmm. to try and sort of like push myself a little bit and you can do a lot of things with resistant bands oh yes 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 (laughs) yes i actually i actually made a um a banded march platform off of like wood like a a diode two by four a piece of plywood and i used eyelet screws and then I used a carabiner on both sides, and I put the band right on there and attached it to my weight belt. And so you just do banded marches off of that. I'll, I'll show wow. it to you after the after this. So it <laughs> it's it literally. I I think I paid probably like twenty bucks for it. Twenty five bucks, thirty bucks. That sounds like something you should start selling. Uh, I think there's a business model there. Yeah, I mean, I didn't, I didn't really, I, I, I actually got it off of someone else's Instagram page. So, uh, but they did, they used, they used like a. Um, a pipe and like chain to kind of like do like squats, but they would like, it, it's, it's a little bit different, but you know, I mean, it's, it's, I'll show you, but it's, it's, I mean, it's, it's pretty funny. Like how, it's pretty interesting how people find like different ways to work out, like finding, like using wood and stuff like that. It's, it's just pretty cool. Oh yeah, for sure. And I think, I think especially now it's, it's hard to get fitness gear. Oh yeah. I mean, everything is sold out. Yeah. So I, I was pretty, well, fortunate in the sense that we already had some stuff. We had something called um, uh, Flex Bow, Bow Flex, Bow Flex, Bow Flex, Bow Flex, which I really like because I can adjust them from like five pounds up to fifty-two and a half. Yeah, each of them. So that you know helps. I don't need fifty pounds to do dumbbell. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, <laughs> to do crunches or anything like that. But you know, for squats, etc., it's nice. Um, and again, I have my bands, so it's it's I can definitely do a full workout. Yep. What has been important for me is, and I think to your point about it can be hard, is to establish a routine. Yeah. So what I've done is, and again, this is a planner, and I'm a planner, and I'm a structure, and all these things. I've been scheduling time on my calendar. I go like, okay, this time slot is set aside. That's when, you know, I always call going to the gym playtime. Yeah. So this is playtime, and this is when, you know, you get your stuff done. Yep. Same thing with stretching. The stretching time stretching is not playtime stretching is just need to get done mm-hmm. need to get done time um but just schedule those things in my calendar that way i just i know the time is there and i know when to go and that's the way i make it happen awesome so yeah i have three questions left because it's almost over so mm-hmm. I, I can only record for an hour in my my little anchor app so um <laughs> so what's what's your all-time favorite book that you like to read or like to give out to like a present for your friends. All time favorite book. That's a good question. 
actually right now I just dived in. So this is sci-fi. Okay. <laughs> I just dived in and I read Dune for the first time. So Dune is I think nineteen fifty seven or sixty two. Yeah, it's, it's, it's like, an old one, yeah. Yeah, it's an oldie but goodie. And that is good. I was so amazed how somebody, you know, way back then could foresee the future to the degree that he did. Mm-hmm. Um and I think it's just it talks about the human mind in a really, really interesting way. All right. Cool. I, I haven't read it yet, so, I mean, that's... I'm I mean, sure. I, I remember it's out there. I know there's a movie, too. It's like four or five hours long or something like that, so... Mostly there's another one coming out. Oh, really? It's supposed to come out this year. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. So, second question. So, mm-hmm. obviously, we kind of talked about it before, but where can people reach out to you, like, via social media or, like, email or whatever? So... People can, if they want to know more about, for example, coaching, or just check out the website, go to mm-hmm. diabetesstrong.com. There is a contact form there if you are interested in coaching. Um, you can also find me on Instagram, as we talked about, diabetesstrong underscore IG. We actually also have a fairly big presence on Facebook. If people are more into Facebook, we have a Facebook group with 20-something members. Mm-hmm. So if you prefer pro support there, go there. You can always send me an email at contact contact at diabetesstrong.com that one will get to me um or you know what on ever all the platforms is always a contact me button yeah click that and write your message i get back to everyone all right awesome and then last question so what would you tell a new diabetic what to expect for the rest of their life what to expect would be consistent learning Things, that gonna, things are never going to be static. Mm-hmm. And there's always new tricks to add to your repertoire in the sense that your diabetes toolkit is just going to grow. And then just from a mindset perspective, I think it's really important to roll with it in the sense that it's going to be, again, things that you didn't foresee is going to be weird days. Mm-hmm. And that's okay. Just accept it's going to be weird days, let it go, and tomorrow's a new day. Awesome. Well, thank you very much for doing this podcast. I really do appreciate it. And I mean, I'd love to have you back on at another time if that's cool with you. Of course. Okay. Thank you for having me. All it was right. fun. All right. Awesome. Well, well, thank you again. And I hope you have a good day. Thank you. You too. Bye. Bye.